Thank you for listening to the Silver Club Podcast. Here's your host, two-time Walker Cupper and former world amateur number one Steve Scott, and men's golf coach at Yale University and golf historian Colin Sheehan. Colin, we are back. Masters Week 2021. I know we did this about six months ago and we saw DJ take home the green jacket, but what's uh, what's your feeling going into this year's Masters? Well, Steve, like everybody, just so excited that it's back in April and it's just this return to a, a custom first major of the year. Um, it's like a for golfers like us, it's like this is a like a religious holy week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's just. It? It's something that just makes you it makes you so happy all week long and um, and just so exciting to see the, the players and and uh, the storylines. And there seems to just be a never ending tidal wave of of content coming out. And the access is quite amazing. Um, so I, even though I'm not going to be there, uh, I, I they they have done everything they can to make you feel like you're fully absorbed with the uh, the event, and so I can't wait for Thursday. I can't yeah, wait can, for the for four they, days to watch. They can even send you like your own pimento cheese sandwiches now. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I know that the the there's not only there's not uh, a a full a patronage of patrons, I guess maybe uh, if you will out there. Uh, this year, uh, our guest, though, our podcast guest this week, Trip Bowden, uh, he used to caddy there a long time ago, was the first white caddy at Augusta National, and he's got so much great insight. He and his son actually were out there yesterday and uh, gave us a nice report, so can't wait to get to that. But uh, we have to definitely chat. You talked about storylines. We definitely have to chat uh, about one of the big storylines coming out of last week, Jordan Spieth. And uh, finally cracking through after over 1,300 days of not winning uh, uh, from the, uh, I guess it was the Open Championship in 2017 was his last victory. Uh, Jordan Spieth, I mean, he loves Augusta National, doesn't he? He's been trending this way all, all year. It's been a joy to watch. The kid never complained. He worked hard. He's, he's clearly a great talent. Um, Golf is a humbling game, like Exhibit A, Jordan Spieth, years of years of struggling, and yet he's his persistence has has been rewarded, and I he has to be one of the favorites. And I didn't realize till this morning how he had he basically finished in the top eleven in his first five Masters. Like the guy has an unbelievable track record there, aside from a scoring record. Um, so he, I, everybody's thrilled for him. That's the beauty of our sport. It's like Unlike where you root against teams and like every golfer has to, you know, the 99% of people are cheering him on and, and what a joy that was to watch him win and, and, you know, reach the mountaintop again. And then why not? He could easily be the one to go and grab it this week. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against him. That's for sure. Well, sure. He's got a boatload of confidence. There's no question about that. Yes, you're right. He's been trending really well. He does know those greens there at Augusta National very well, and it's a it's a horses for courses sort of thing, right? And and uh, I, I guess you know talking about the greens there, and I, I just I always just keep thinking back to the greens books that these players use week in week out at Augusta National. They're not allowed to use these green contour books, so they're going to have to go back on a lot of their past history there and and all the research that they've done and. Uh, you know, the local caddies really know something about how the greens break there, but uh, some people just see those greens better, and Jordan's definitely one of them. But uh, it kind of leads me to Bryson DeChambeau, the, the ever the tech, the, the technician and the tactician, um, uh, just the scientist of, of, of the game. And it's actually a little surprising he hasn't quite figured out those greens there at Augusta National yet, but uh. Um, I'm ready to see him unload again up over the trees on 13 or, you know, we watched him yesterday uh, uh, doing some practice and he was uh, doing some serious speed training out there, getting up to probably close to 140 miles an hour club head speed with with Vijay Singh watching on. And uh, what do you take of Bryson's chances this week? So he's definitely a favorite because they've lengthened this, course and move bunkers in the position that accommodated the most recent round of like 
of long hitters and he exceeds those. So he's actually doing what Tiger Woods did in 97, what other, what DJ was probably doing in the two thousands and the 2010s. Like he can actually fly every bunker and the width of the course is so helpful to him at that length. And, you know, he was right there last fall and I, he had that lost ball. That was a pretty unfortunate lost ball on the third hole. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't know. Obviously ever. It's obvious he's going to, he's a favorite, but he has the game. Like I, I would put Wingfoot's greens up there with, with Augusta for difficulty to putt and to yeah. do well on. And he obviously did well there. And so for just diabolical sloping greens where you've got to be careful with your placement, he he clearly has the ability to do it and i and i agree you're, you're right that he has he can hit it over the bunker on eight and around the, and deep on nine and and deep on 10 i mean he he really can overpower that golf course is which is something his fellow tour pros fellow long hitting tour pros can't necessarily do yeah he's uh he is something to behold and yeah he'll be he'll be definitely on everybody's radar screens uh another guy who's been on a lot of people's radar screens rory McElroy, uh, he's done a lot of work recently, uh, changing coaches. He's he's kind of he's playing a lot more golf swing right now. I know you as a coach at Yale, you you deal with uh, you know how do you how do you battle through golf swing versus playing golf, and when you're trying to work something out in your game, work out some some technique in your game, how do you just as a coach just put your coach hat on for a second? How do you just allow, uh, how do you allow your students or your, your players in your case to just go and out there and, and, and play golf as opposed to golf swing that they're doing on the range? Well, you're right. Like, you know, this, of course, every golfer needs to have something to work on one thing to sort of think about. And I agree the, 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 anyone as talented as Rory or any really good plus handicap golfer has a lot of instincts and skill and talent. And then sometimes you just have to remind them of that and just let, make sure that they know that their club is in a certain positions or their, their stance is square and they can have their checkpoints. And then at that point, you got to let them go. And Rory clearly is a, he's a, you know, he's, he's so talented. He's, he's such a natural golfer. He was so good at a young age. He should always be, any instructor with Rory should just be encouraging the sort of the, uh, the natural side of his game, the instincts, just do what feels good, check on those things and then just go and then just go compete. Well, they say Pete Cowan is the European version of Butch Harmon. So uh, if he, if he's anything like people say they are uh, like they say he is, I think that he'll, he'll just, he'll do just that, right. He'll feed them just a couple little things, give them, boost them with some confidence. I mean, I think that's what Butch Harmon has done so well with all of, his students over time. Um, Brooks Kepka is coming into this Masters tournament uh, really off of, of just some major uh, some uh, injuries, right? I mean, he's had he's had knee injuries and really both knees, which is which is really surprising. And he had a, I mean, only a few weeks ago, really, he's coming like fresh off of a a, a, a knee surgery. I mean, one was on his left, and now this is on his right. I mean. Uh, that's, it's really interesting that he's coming back so soon in my opinion, but maybe, uh, he and his doctors know best. I sure hope he's making the right choice here. I know, you know, the artificial deadline of a tournament can be inconvenient for a recovery from a surgery and, and, you know, having missed the last masters, I can, I can, I can understand his urgency to get out there. It would be very on brand for Brooks Kepka to just play great this week and almost in pro and win the tournament, just like on a bad knee or on a recovery knee. But I mean, is there any shot he's not hitting right now? I mean, he's probably, he's probably so grateful to be competing. He's probably so excited to be there. Um, you know, he's, he probably feels like never even more. So he's got a chip on his shoulder, you know, more than before he won his first major or, or his second, he almost is, um, you know, this would be, I, <laughs> this will be interesting to see how he plays. I, I hope, I, I hope it all works out for him, uh, health wise. That's for sure. The knees well, don't, the knees are tricky. Yeah. I mean, certainly your, it's your foundation of your swing or your legs. So they've, they've got to be solid. And, and it's kind of questionable in my, my opinion that, 
that he would he would come back at this venue, being that you basically uh, the elevation changes at Augusta National are so severe. I mean, it's basically like walking up and down uh, 40 flights of stairs, really in both directions at Augusta National. I mean, it's just the, the elevation change is really dramatic as you get up really the around the second tee is the highest point of the property all the way down to the 13th. And then you work your way back up all the way to the clubhouse to the 18th. I mean, it's as much of a, a physical battle as it is a, a mental battle out there, right? It's a good point. And the side slopes and the shots and the un, and the awkward sort of fairway bunker shots with one foot in the bunker or green side and trying to, you know, any number of things could happen. Um, but, I, you know, that's the lure of the masters. That's that's what he kind of lives for, this, this sort of stage. If he were to pass on it now, it'd be another 12 months. I guess it would, he would have played in, you know, half of the last sort of you know, he'd miss. He'd, he'd, he's, I think he's just—it's killing him to miss all these these majors. It's one thing to miss a few tour events here and there, um, but clearly, um, you know, the Masters. He's he, he's. I think, like Rory, you know, you, you once you get to two majors out of four, the Grand Slam is career Grand Slam becomes you know your single minded focus. Um, that is the shortest way. I mean, if you think about it, the shortest way to golf immortality is one major. Of you know one of the four each of the four majors you yes. know you could have you could have, you could be like Nicholas and Tiger or Trevino or Fowler or you could have a lot Watson but or you could just have one of each and you're going into the you're you're on the all time great list no um, doubt no doubt so I do no. love Rory for that I mean the pressure's on Rory to go I love the I love any major when there's a uh, a Grand Slam on the line and it happens with Spieth at the PGA and and uh, and Rory at the Masters, and I think I think it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise anyone if if Kepka's right now his goal and his privately in his mind is to finish the career Grand Slam in the next four months. <laughs> yeah, there's no no question about that. Uh, and and before we get to our podcast guest and Trip Bowden today, uh, we we can't we'd be remiss if we didn't think and talk about uh, Dustin Johnson, the defending champion, obviously won in a lot different conditions back in November. He shot 20 under par, tournament record, maybe with a bit of an asterisk, right, being that it was uh, the only Masters contested in the fall. But uh, I, I want to ask you this about DJ, though. Um, he's got a, uh, a little champion's dinner uh, tonight. We're, we're recording this on Tuesday uh, before his dinner, but he's going with... Uh, Pigs in a blanket and lobster corn fritters for appetizers. First course, house salad or Caesar salad. All right, pretty simple there. Uh, some family-style sides. Main course, filet mignon and miso-marinated sea bass. That's pretty solid there. And dessert, uh, the peach cobbler with apple pie vanilla ice cream. Uh, what would you serve <laughs> at your champion's dinner if you had the choice? Oh, I would have some... New Haven thin crust coal oven pizza. I'd have the uh, staff from Sally's come down. Definitely have to represent the New England kind of uh, lobster clam bake, red potatoes and corn, and uh, some some um, clam chowder, I suppose, and and uh, some uh, some beautiful uh, Ashley's ice cream from New Haven. Some mint, some mint chocolate chip that would sort of rounded out for me <laughs> how about yourself that sounds good uh you know i think i'd have to go with like uh there's a great steakhouse in charleston called hall's chop house and they had this beautiful 14 16 ounce ribeye with uh, it's like dry aged ribeye i don't know i'd have to go probably somewhere around there probably throw lobster tail in there um you know, maybe a lobster mac and cheese or something for a side. That's always, you know, get some good calories there to climb up and down those hills at Augusta. But something something along those lines, those would be uh, pretty solid. I mean, I, I pretty much like every food. Uh, you know, it's uh, you're not going to you're not going to disappoint me with whatever, whatever you throw out there for me. But, you know, but, Steve, it's wonder. It's interesting. It, it, it's never going to happen or maybe it, it'll happen in 10 years. But of all the places you could ever get to be, you know, the champion's dinner is about as imagine if that was ever sort of, they ever sort of recorded the audio from that night or, or had a, 
had a webcam where you could pay per view to go and just sort of listen in on that dinner and hear what I would give to be able to go back to the days when um, Sam Sneed would tell dirty jokes and you know just hearing <laughs> just hearing Nicholas and Palmer and Player and everyone talking about telling stories and and the, the sort of young guys mixed in there that that's about as that moment is as close to the sort of royal gathering of golfers at any at any point in the year i guess other than when the uh the rna hosts all past open champions at at, at st andrews every year yeah, or every 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 year it's at st andrews yeah definitely some night and some uh, group of champions like that and but uh yes we will have to see who joins the illustrious group of champions this week the golf course apparently is playing very firm and fast and our and our podcast guest this week trip bowden former caddy at augusta national was out there yesterday and uh, it's going to give us all the lowdown of what's going on in augusta georgia so uh until next time colin 51st episode here so uh we're very good we've, we've, we've passed the halfway century mark here so Pretty cool, and uh, always great being with you. Let's uh, have a great Masters week. Enjoy it. Okay, Colin, but before we get to our Masters edition of our Silver Club podcast this week, I just wanted to say this couldn't be possible without the help of the Silver Club Golfing Society. We've had a tremendous few years, and we're moving into our third year right now. We just had our first major of 2021 last week at the Chichesi Creek Club. Great core Crenshaw design in the low country just outside of Hilton Head, South Carolina. In fact, it was called the Low Country Boil. And we had some great eats and some great camaraderie that we shared amongst our participants. We had stroke play seating on day one, moved into a match play format, which is the greatest form of golf, in my opinion, Got to love some match play. We had some great play out there. Lawrence Largent, our first captain, he took the title in the match play over Joe Saberis. One up in our shootout final. Uh, some great play by both of those players. And our Scotch division was won by our current captain, Andrew Ganey. And we had just a tremendous time down there at Chessie Creek. And we're moving on to some other great venues that you're not going to want to miss. And we move all around the country. Just check out our website at silverclubgs.com or check out our social media sites at Silver Club Golf on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Thanks so much to our sponsors of the Silver Club Golfing Society. Turtleson, Andy Plate and his team at Turtleson do a wonderful job and it was great having him at our Low Country Boil event and to meet all of our players and give out a really cool custom logoed polo this last week. The Winston Collection, as well as Torch Eyewear, two great companies, fantastic customer service and products. You got to check out both Winston and Torch as well. Finally, just make sure that you subscribe to our podcast and download all the previous 50 episodes. We've had great characters in the game like Vinnie Giles and Jason Gore, great professionals like Bob Ford or Bob Toski. And for our 50th anniversary, we just had Zach Blair and Kai Golby talk about their new project just outside of Augusta, Georgia, near Aiken, South Carolina, in the tree farm. So make sure you subscribe to our Silver Club podcast and download all the great episodes that we've had thus far. All right, without further ado, let's get to our Masters Week podcast with the great Trip Bowden, who has all the knowledge on Augusta National. Enjoy this podcast. All right, everybody, it's Masters Week on the Silver Club podcast. And we've got a guest that will knock your socks right off as far as all the knowledge that he's going to bring to you from Augusta, Georgia. Trip Bowden, welcome back to the Silver Club Podcast. Thanks, Steve. Honored to be uh, here with you. How was the golf course today? How did how did you really feel like the golf course played? And and did you did, was it? It looks like the forecast looks pretty good this week and kind of warm and with the balls getting a little run out there. 
the ball ran like crazy. I was surprised how, I mean, once it hit, it just kept on going. Uh, it was warm. It was, uh, but it was weird, you know, or, or different. That it was so, uh, there wasn't a lot of people on a money practice round. Yeah. And hardly, hardly saw any, any golf. But I did, uh, which I thought was unusual. The, like on 13, and I forget who it was, right in front of Rory. And they stayed forever on the, on the green, just putting and chipping. And, and before them was couples. But couples was actually teaching, I don't know who he was with, to get his name, uh, you know, how to hit. How to lay up and hit chip shots up to the to the green and and spin it and try to spin it on the, the I guess the back left pin. Yeah, they played fast though, of course. Yeah. And we we also have uh, your high school age son Holly Mack Hollis, uh, his real name Holly Mack, uh, joining us as well. And you guys got to tour around the Augusta National today. Holly Mack, what did you think of Augusta National today? What were the, the sights and sounds that were going on today? Even just walking in, it was weird. It was like eerie. It's normally it's, it's such a huge like hustle and bustle, but cars were just mostly the workers there. And we walked up to, which gate was it? Uh, gate nine. Gate nine. And we couldn't go in there. It was only uh, Berkman's passes. Because I guess they just wanted a steady flow of people going through the North Gate uh, for COVID reasons, I guess. So we had to walk like 20 minutes all the way back up there. And even that whole little area of Gate 9, the yeah. shop too, that was closed off. There was barely like anybody. I mean, there's a couple of crowds by like the main gate, the shop, and all that, and a couple of concession stands and see people, but we never had to wait for the bathrooms really. Or wait to concession, just kind of walk through, grab your chips or whatever. And what was yeah, the first hole that you saw out there? Let's see first. First, uh, we brought him back around. Uh, actually, uh, Steve, I, I took him down to uh, number one and showed him the uh, oldest, at least in my knowledge, uh, manual scoreboard in the world, which is the one at Augusta National. And then uh, took him up to uh, the, uh, the sundial. The Bobby Jones Sundial, and told him the story about Freddie Bennett, uh, the caddy master from back in the day, who, as you know, the story of all that, who changed my life and was my mentor. And when he hit a 487 yard drive with a little bit of wind behind him <laughs> during closing week, but a little bit of wind behind him, uh, third week in May, and uh, landed on the access road. And it bounced onto number two green from the sundown. So basically, he's up at the pro shop and wearing uh, bedroom slippers. <laughs> That's it, huh? Wow. Just it with an old, big old, uh, terrible looking driver and a piece of nothing golf ball, and boom, off it went. Unbelievable. Well, for those listeners who haven't heard our Masters Week podcast in the back, we've had the uh, the fortune of having you share some some wonderful stories, and we're going to give all of our listeners some new stories today. But uh, you, you authored a great book some 12 years ago now called Freddie and Me and Your Relationship with Freddie Bennett, who uh, you just mentioned, the caddy master at Augusta National for about 40 years to a, to a point. Talk to us, for those who, who haven't listened to the Silver Club podcast before. Give us a sense of what Freddie Bennett meant to you and, and who he was and the stature that he was at Augusta National. Wow, that's a great uh, and amazing question. Uh, Freddie was uh, omnipotent. He uh, ran the show. He was in control of everything. And uh, he was a mentor to me. Saved my life a couple times, and there was no one like him in the world. I always say he was a once in a lifetime person who worked in a once in a lifetime place. Unbelievable. He, so, yeah. So you said uh, he was the caddy master there from about what years? Would you say? Um, let's see. He actually. Oh, here's kind of a quick little story, which is cool. Uh, he. It's funny because I was. Had Holly Mack out there with me today, uh, watching the golf, and another hit. 
you know, a million shots into the grains and they could put a million times and do whatever they want to do. Back in the day, Mr. Roberts said, one ball to the green, one putt, off you go. So basically your practice round was like a real round. You're not practicing on my golf course. You are not practicing on my golf course. You want to practice, <laughs> practice on the practice team. And Freddie was 15 years old. Of course, we're going way back in time. And Frank Stranahan, who you might know from the, the book, The Match, which is yep. a yeah. book. Yeah, he was, he was a strong man, right? Yeah, very, yeah. yeah. He, was the, he was the mad guy dude, and he was also going to be the next Bobby Jones. You know, back in those days, Amherst were the, the mad guys, not the pros. Amherst were, were the ones. In fact, the Amherst could go into the clubhouse and change clothes and stuff. The pros change clothes out in the parking lot. I'll be darned. Back, back then, no joke. So Freddie's out there camping for uh, Strahan, and Strahan's like, eh, he hit another one. Let me hit another one, then hit another one. And Mr. Roberts comes out there in his golf cart, which is one of those uh, funky-looking golf carts that's a uh, three-wheeler. Yeah. And he says, uh, you need to stop. Just hit one ball. And he's like, whatever. So it's no. And Mr. Roberts says, all right, you're done. And Perry said, oh, we're done. And Mr. Roberts called security on his walkie-talkie. And they came and got Stranahan and Freddie and hauled him off the golf course. And that was it. And Freddie said, I suppose ever got kid in the Masters. And Stranahan was like the top amateur in the world, like you were once in your, in your youth. And Stranahan and didn't he didn't even play. It was gone. Bye bye. He, he, and he never him, got invited back. He kicked him out of the tournament. Oh my goodness. Kicked him out of the tournament and he never got invited back. And that was it. He and he wrote letters to Mr. Roberts. Please can I come back? I'm so sorry. Nope. No. That's it. Party's over, son. I don't care who you are. You did not obey my rules. That Which is, is what I got Yeah, Clifford Clifford Roberts was uh was something, wasn't he? Iron fist. With uh, with velvet on the fingertips is what Freddie said about him, and he always knew where you stood. That was it. Wow. Bye bye, wow. bye bye, Stranahan. Unbelievable, unbelievable. What? Talk to us about. I mean, it's really cool that you were able to, you know, share the day out there during the the practice round on Monday today with your son. Yeah. But what? How does the golf course really compare to the first time you saw it? And when did when did you see it for the first time? Oh Lord, I was. How, uh, how, old, how old were you? I was ten. Ten. I was ten, and uh, I saw it as, uh, in, in some ways, it almost a microcosm of what it is now. But yet, it was. Uh, it was almost like a local muni. It just felt like home. And uh, Freddie took me out there, and actually, I, I, I learned the golf course at Augusta National uh, as to go fishing with uh, cane poles and such, and that's how I got introduced to Augusta National, and now it's. Oh man, it, it's so crazy right now. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there's no cast accepted because I know it's COVID, but it's so different. It's so different. How is it? I mean, the 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 golf course itself, and then even the uh, the extra, all the buildings and all the extra, you know, the uh, uh, you know Berkman's Place and all of these extra uh, accompaniments. I guess maybe would be the word too to the golf course and to the experience. I mean, how, how do you put that into words? Mm, another great question. Uh, it's, it's, it's a different animal and the Burton's place is it's its own animal. And it's, I miss, I miss the gravel parking lot. I miss the Magnolia lane. It's, it's like, uh, it's, it really is Disney world now, <laughs> which we've all, I guess most of us have been to Disney world, but it, it is like Disney world and everything's, funneled into certain areas and like I said, like, like the, your local muni from your memories, uh, that's gone. Hmm. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's, but that's gone. Didn't they hire somebody from Walt Disney world at some point within the last 10 years or something to kind of, to revamp the experience there? Cause I know I was there about maybe 2017 or so. And it was, it was unbelievable the you know the merchandise space and the food and beverage space and how it just flows from from that parking lot and by the way you get to park for free and then you work your way past the 
you know, I, I guess I, you can't say it's the new practice area, but it's certainly newer than when I played there back in 1997. We hit along the, the practice range, the members range. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really something to, to behold, isn't it? That's a great analogy, and that's also very true. The, uh, I don't know what you would call this position, but the guy that runs the show of Disney and how the marketing goes and the flow of everything uh, came out to Augusta and said, here's what we need to do. And he did it. And it's unbelievable. It, it is, uh, gosh, I didn't put a label on it. Just the, the way it's shopping. I mean, it's, it's almost like, and I, I said, I just love Chick-fil-A, but it's, it's like Chick-fil-A. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, be well. Thank you for coming. It's like, I'm just happy to be here, but thank you. And they just they cater to you. They, they're so kind. <laughs> it's nuts it's nuts wow that's neat yeah, um, it, 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 is, it, is, it is disney to me on steroids if there's such a thing you obviously you caddied there from 1989 to 1994 if i'm not if i've got my dates right um, you do. and yeah. you had the the um I, I guess the what what would the proper word be just the the I guess just the opportunity, really, to to be the first white, ca- you know, Caucasian caddy on the grounds. Yeah, how was how how was that? Uh, how was that experience being, you know, being kind of uh, I don't know. I guess I guess kind of a, an outsider in a way, but but maybe not on the inside. Uh, that's an interesting way to say it. Uh, I was actually not an outsider, so to speak, as a uh, I was fortunate enough to, to grow up in at, at Augusta, and uh, the pro son Stephen Spencer uh, became his quote playing partner back during closing week. So I kind of grew up knowing all the the caddies and whatnot. And they called me Little Doc after my dad, <laughs> Doc, who was the starter out there. So I I didn't go in there blind, and then when I graduated from Augusta College, where Patrick Reed went to, um, and they once they got rid of me, they, we we won't lump you with Patrick Reed. We won't do that. When he was at Augusta, as you know, they won national championships, two of them. So once they got rid of me, they started winning national championships. <laughs> when I graduated with a degree in uh, English and minors in philosophy and psychology, I was like, well, "What the hell am I going to do with my life?" And my dad said, "As you know, you know, Doc." He said, "We'll call Freddie." You might have some ideas. So I called Freddie up. He said, come on and caddy, like for real. I caddied some in college, you know, but not like for real. So I get out there and, and they all know me and they start calling me little doc. And one thing led to another. And, and Freddie was kind enough to put me out with uh, caddies that had won master's tournaments proper. Skinny and Bug and so many others. And, <laughs> everybody, and had a nick- I, everybody had a nickname, right? Yeah, I was white boy. Hey, white boy. Yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark Eubanks, who actually they called him Banks, but he caddied for Johnny Miller, and I think Johnny finished second four times, I think, something crazy. But right. but, but Banks, he would sweat so bad, he's so nervous, he would sweat like crazy. And if you look at some old footage, which you can see some of it on YouTube, Johnny's like wiping down his grips. Because he would hand him the club, and he's like, will you stop with the sweating? <laughs> he was sweating like crazy. As nerved up as he was. But yeah, they never, they never quite made it. But uh, <laughs> with Freddie, uh, it was like Marines. You were either light green or dark green, but you're still green. So we're all in this together. Hmm. There was no, there's no black or white. You're light green or dark green. Interesting. And I, right. I, 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 mean... I, I, I was, I was welcomed. It was, it was, it was special. You, you, and it's to this day. Yeah. You, well, you mentioned, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the caddy for Johnny Miller and, and all of the, the caddies that actually used to caddy in the masters tournament. What, when did that change? About 19, mid 1980s. Is that about right? Yeah. It's, uh, early, uh, I think I was in, I was still in high school. I want to say 1983, mm-hmm. uh, when, when, when Seve won on a Monday. And the way it worked back then, you had to use a, uh, a guest national caddy. And there was a crazy 
rain delay. I think it was on Saturday. So all the caddies went, sweet. You know, we're going to go out and party and have fun and do whatnot. And we'll go back to our same tea time the next day. And this was in the, the dawn or the era of, of TV kind of exploding. And TV wanted to have get that round in and also do the next one. And so Freddie, the next day, is like scrambling like crazy to, to find the caddies. And there's no, you know, no cell phones and there's no email. There's no internet. Right. And he scrambled like crazy to find the caddies and they're nowhere to be found. And there's Tom Watson on the first tee carrying his bag on his shoulder. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Because his caddy, Hickey, who he'd won twice with, was nowhere to be found because he's all well. We're going to stay off again at you know at eleven forty-five instead of the crack of dawn, and that was the end of the end. And Watson actually wrote a uh, letter to Ward Harden, who was the chairman at the time, and said, "You know, coming to Augusta without your your caddy, which was uh, I guess Watson's caddy was I don't guess it was a uh, uh, Bruce Bruce Edwards. Bruce Edwards, yeah, which is a wonderful book, by the way." The story of that. And so it's like going to the prom without your best girl. Come on. What the hell? Yeah. No. So, so that was it. And that was and that was it. Uh after that year, it was all you could bring your own caddy and that that whole world changed, which is unfortunate. But that whole world just rumor has it that you had a chance to caddy in the masters one time. How how did that go? Uh, not so well, but it got close. <laughs> you so, were close. Okay. So I, it was almost there. So I'm in Freddie's office, which is, uh, if you look at the clubhouse proper or pro shop, I should say, and to the left in the little, uh, alleyway, his, uh, office was to the left of that. And I'm sitting there and I'm winding down this bag and it has Arizona state, I think on it. And I'm walking down the clubs, and they're backwards in my mind. They're left-handed. <laughs> I'm thinking, what the hell is this guy? But Freddie's giving me the bag. So I've got this bag. I'm not going to caddy the Masters. It's Monday morning, crack a dog. And this guy walks in all kind of, <laughs> kind of floppy and slumpy. <laughs> and... I recognize him from what Freddie told me. He showed me a picture of him. And I say, hi, I'm, I'm Trip. And he says, I'm Phil. And I want my coach to caddy for me. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, my coach. He's right here. And his coach comes walking in. Next thing I know, coach grabs the bag. And off they went. I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you almost caddy for Mickelson. Unbelievable. Yeah. Here's Amber. And he, he missed the cut. Yeah. 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 Oh, how, uh, no offense, how, Bill, but uh, you deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> it probably it took him a long time to get that, get that green coat. But, uh, well, you, yeah. the members call it a green coat. Most of us call it a green jacket, I guess. But yeah, uh, sure. the members call it a coat and it's a, uh, the story behind that, real quick, if I may, is uh, like, say, you and I are both members, and you're bringing guests, and I'm bringing guests. And if you want to have extra people on the grounds, you coat for them. It's called coating. Even if you don't have to play, you can be in the clubhouse having bonbons or cocktails or whatever. <laughs> and as, long, as, long, as long as you're on the grounds, like your member friend, say it's me or whoever, can can bring three more guests, and it's called coding. Hmm. The uh, the green jacket is, is the media. Might even be Jim Nance. I don't know, but <laughs> it's not a jacket. It's a coat. <laughs> it's a coat. So that's that's very interesting. Um, and we talk about some of the players in this year's in this year's Masters. Uh, I, I also want to get to some of the things that you saw today, and and it was a pretty glorious day down there in uh in augusta but uh trip talk to us a little bit about uh 
some of the players you saw today and the the atmosphere because I mean we we all know that six months ago we got to see Dustin Johnson break a record 20 under par uh, the golf course was a little different I think back in November than than it's going to be playing this week uh, talk to us about some of the the differences you saw and observed today and maybe some of the players who you think have a have a good chance to take home the title here always with the good questions uh and holly mack can chime in on this um there uh Dallin, what was the last name uh it was it started with like an f or something it was like fill in south african fella do you, do you know him Dylan. i thought it was dylan but it's D-Y-L-A. dylan dylan fratelli yes yeah 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 well crazily enough uh i don't know if i've told you this but maybe i have whenever i go up to the course I bring copies of Freddie and me. And when I feel it or find the right person, I hand out the book to him. And I had two left. And I said, it's him. And how cool was this? We were on the uh, yeah, fifth, fifth hole. Fifth. fifth hole. And he was there. And it was just nobody but us there out there with him. And he's like, dude, you know, loving the loving the pink jacket. I said, yeah. I said, this is for you. And I signed it and handed it over to him. And I said, read uh, page 90. I forget the chapter. I said, it will tell you more about the golf course than anybody on this planet could tell you. <laughs> I said, really? So he, he walks off the tee box. And he actually finished type of fifth last year, by the way. <laughs> which I didn't know. And he's reading as he's leaving the, the, the tee box. And we see him again on uh, six. Six. On six. You know, par three, of course. And he said, Hey, mate, I read the first two chapters. I don't think he said it like that. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. He said, Fantastic. Read the first two chapters. So that was great. But to watch him, he's like a. Uh, Meshman, like a pendulum. Like yep. A, oh my gosh, that guy's got some game. Very Fratelli, yep, yep, yep. Fratelli, yeah, incredibly center. So, so uh, Holly Mack and I are both cheering him on, and uh, he, he's our he's our good. He's he, I would say he's our dark horse, but uh, we're pulling for him. We thought how cool would it be if he actually, you know, won the Masters, having read Freddie and me. That'd be really really magical but yeah that would be that would be pretty crazy wouldn't it uh yeah he's uh yeah he's a south african he went to the university of texas and he actually played pretty well recently in the uh in the world match play there in texas so uh he's won the john deere classic in 2019 as well and uh won a couple of times on the european tour back in 2017 so he is uh he, he and he shot 65 in the first in the first round in uh in 2020 there so he's uh yeah he's got a good feeling for that golf course so uh yeah that that's a, that's a cool story yeah maybe uh when he's in the butler cabin on on sunday night and talking to jim nance he says some strange guy in a pink coat came up to me i thought everybody had green coats here but he had a pink coat and he gave me this book it was like some some angel coming from the sky and, and giving me some knowledge that, you know, to help me over the edge, that would be something. So, uh, let's, let's all, let's all hope that comes true. Right. That would be very cool. Can I interview you for a second? <laughs> sure. What, what question do you have for me? Okay. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, they have a, a beer, uh, in the concessions. It's called Crow's Nest. Yep. You stayed in Crow's Nest as the uh, runner up for the U.S. Amateur. Yep. And you went and slept down to a certain area in the clubhouse <laughs> in honor of Bobby Jones. Where did you go? Tell tell your audience that. Oh and well, I I had to mind. sneak. I had to sneak in the champions' locker room. I mean, I think I think it's uh, I think you have to if you're staying in the Crow's Nest just to peek in there and take a look around and yeah, it's, it's amazing how small it was. And you know, what, what was even more amazing is the, the stairway that, that leads you up to that, 
that top floor of the clubhouse there in the crow's nest, it's so steep. It's like a ladder. I mean, it is, you could, yeah. you could totally eat it coming down. It's, it's, the steps are really narrow and, but yeah, you walk down there, you, you could make a right and go out to a dining room, I think, and, or something. And then you make a left and you go right into the champion's locker room and, and, uh, and there you are. So I was the only one staying in the, in the crow's nest back in 97. I stayed there for a couple nights at the beginning of the week and, uh, just a magical place. And, but, uh, yeah, I had to, had to take a peek in that champion's locker room. There's no, no doubt about that. That was, that was, uh, a, a tremendous amount of fun. Um, all right, I'm going to interview you now. I'm going to get back to that. Um, <laughs> the, what well, one of these, one of the topics that, that comes up occasionally, and I think this is the reason why the veterans have such an advantage around those parts, uh, is the, the lack of green books. They're not allowed. They do not have a, one of the green contour books with all the arrows and the percentage of slopes. Talk to us about the difficulty for somebody and how long, when you caddied there, how long it took you to really understand the greens and the green complexes that are just that. They're complex. Well, once again, a very interesting and great question. And I was actually uh, telling uh, Holly Mac about it uh, today as we were on the course that you don't, as Freddie said, you don't read the greens of Augusta, you remember them. They do the same thing every single time. And for those in the uh, radio audience, and, and if you're watching on TV, the, the grain, and the, you know, the way that the green or the, or the grass itself rolls out, it chases the sun and it sets right over the pump house on number 11. And it all goes that way. <laughs> all goes to the pump house. Every time. To the pump house. Which is uh like if you're facing like say if you're on uh Amy Corner and you're looking at number eleven, you look about halfway between the trees and because you can't see the pump house anymore. They got plenty of bushes and whatnot covering it up. Yeah. It's about I don't know, maybe twenty yards left of the green. But everything runs that way. And Holly Mag experienced it, which he can tell you. Or maybe he can't. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's on the side. Which way the reruns? Yeah. Okay. They yeah. tripped him out. He, really? he, nine times I've heard it, like, uh, someone would put it, and then every single time he comments, like, well, if he knew that the ring would run, blah, 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 the one turn on that, and pretty much he pointed out every single ball, see how to curve that way, see how to curve that way. And it, it was true every single time. It went the way he said. I was gonna go. And it was funny, Steve. Uh, I, I was reading. Obviously, I'm outside the ropes, but I was reading putts, and the, the caddy's going, "Well, what about these pointing this way, pointing that way?" And they're trying this, trying that. I'm like, "Get you a local caddy, doofus." <laughs> I mean, even even after all of the renovations over the years and everything, you feel like. It's all kind of it still breaks the same as you remember it. It does, crazy enough, Steve. It it, it, it all goes towards the pump house. It it, it runs. Freddie uh, said it was like a dog on a leash. It'll take you down there. I know it sounds crazy, but you don't read those greens to remember them. You don't read them to remember them. That's a that's a great saying. That's a great saying for sure. And I guess yeah, over time you're able to. Make a lot of notes in your yardage book, but uh, yeah, they don't have the luxury of looking looking at the green contour books. Um, yeah, well, those were all crap anyway. <laughs> we had, uh, although we did have those, they weren't necessarily the contour because the contour doesn't, doesn't make it the thing. Uh, a guy named Edward, I forget Edward's last name, had great, we call it the green bottle, and it had markings, uh, arrows, different places and whatnot about where things were going to break on and it was to teach pit people. And uh, Edward actually taught me. But he, 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 along with Freddie, said, you know, you don't read them, man. You remember them. It's going to do the same thing every time. It's going to do the same thing every time. It's going to do the same every time. <laughs> I know that's crazy. Still but, unbelievable. But you still, I mean, even after all these years, I mean, it's been, oh, you I mean, you haven't caddied there really since 1994. 
I mean, you still, you still right. just, those are just etched into your brain. Incredibly. Yeah. I can, <laughs> I, I, when I was out there with high Mac today, just, I was reading putts from you know, behind them. They're not yellow ropes anymore. Now they're uh, white and green, strangely enough, but yeah, just, it's going to do, or as, as Mark Eubanks, who finished, as I mentioned earlier, uh, runner up four times with Johnny Miller, he said, hey, lad, boy, the ball is going to do what the ball is going to do. <laughs> and it All does. Right. You, you got to tell us about some, maybe a couple of uh, the, if, if you could share a couple maybe of the lesser known stories about Augusta National. You really, you, you shared one uh, the other day that, I mean, I've seen it, uh, I did a little Google search here, you know, about about the Augusta National's co-founder Clifford Roberts and how he took his life. Uh, would you be able to share that story that you shared with me uh, the other day? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all uh, right. Well, we'll keep those. No, 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 no. I, I will say, Steve, uh, that... Uh, Mr. Oh, that's right. You, that, that's right. You can't. That's right. You can't share that one. I'll, I'll edit no, I, this I, out. I can, say that he, I can say that Mr. Roberts uh, had terminal cancer and wanted to go out on his own terms, and he wanted to be uh, buried with his ashes, got cremated, at the highest point on the course. So I'll let your listeners figure out where that is. <laughs> highest point on the course, and we'll leave it at that. What do you What do you have in your hands? I know this is obviously a podcast, but. We're doing this via Zoom, and uh, you're showing me a it looks like a range ball of some sort. It is. It says Klecky uh, on one side and Spencer on the other. Okay. And uh, very different personalities. Uh, Bob was very much like, in fact, Freddie called him Cool Hand Luke, like, was, uh, like chill. And Dave was, uh, we called him Eat Him Up, Gator, yeah. like, go, 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 go. Always going, 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 nonstop. Well, when the pro was going to retire, and it was Bob and Dave as co well as assistant pros, Mr. Roberts went to the pro shop and said, "All right, boys, so and so's retiring." And here's the deal: you got very different personalities, and certain membership gravitates towards you, Dave, and certain membership gravitates towards to you, Bob. So here's the deal: we're going to have co-pros or no pros. He got five minutes to think about it. And he walks out of the room, out of the pro shop. And Dave turns to Bob and says, uh, what did you say? And Bob said, he said, put a there, partner. <laughs> <laughs> and they sure can ask. And they were co-pros for over 40 years. And I don't know if you want to say we're on Facebook. We're on. If you can see the stripe down the middle. Yep. That's the Pantone color of the green jacket. And the ball is divided in half. And it's got Spencer on one side and Clecky on the other. So the membership would know that they were equals. So whoever we gravitate towards, that's fine. But please know that our co-pros are equals. And but they have co-pros to this day. And I, I don't know of no of no other course that has co-pros. Yeah, that's that's. Go ahead, Russ. Yes, that's that's a pretty amazing thing. There's no, there's no question about that. That that's a uh, you know a, that's as unique as as anything there. All right, uh, before we let you go, uh, I've got to ask. You know, Dustin Johnson is going to be hosting the Champions Dinner on mm. uh, on Tuesday night, and what sort yes. of things you're you are a, a very much a, a foodie. Uh, yeah. What sort of things, if you won the Masters, what sort of food would you serve at the Champions Dinner? <laughs> that's an awesome question. Oh, wow. Uh, that's wild. Um, collard greens. I'm a burger guy. Uh, All right, well, while you're... Love, I still love the, the salmon. The salmon? The little, salmon se- little cedar plank salmon, maybe, right? Little cedar plank salmon, but definitely collard greens. Freddy's butter beans. Actually, I, I, would, I would do almost like a smorgasbord. Uh, Horace, who was uh, the caddy house chef back in my day, the uh, fried pork chop sandwich, which was amazing. Fried pork chop sandwich. Mm, that's I'm, uh, you're, you're making oh me God. hungry right now. Oh my gosh! And he put uh, 
Old Bay seasoning on it. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, we call it. Uh, How about dessert? How about dessert? What what dessert would you have? I gotta go with peach cobbler. Uh, Chef Mark, who I'm speaking of, uh, he when he was first hired by Mr. Roberts, handpicked, and Chef Clark had some some international background training and whatnot, and Mr. Roberts calls him over and tells him what he wants. He wants uh, the lamb and the Parisian potatoes and all this dumb stuff. And he said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm on it. I'm on it. And he said, uh, he's talking about dessert. He said, I want my, my favorite dessert. And he says, well, what's that, sir? And it's, uh, all right, let me see if you know this. Sarah Lee makes it. It's pound cake. So he wants pound cake. Well, Chef Park says, I'm on it. I'm on it. But he wasn't on nothing. He had no pound cake from cream brulee from a cream filled donut. But he did know Kroger, which at the time was across the street. So he slips over across the street in full chef garb, you know, with a hat, the whole outfit, the whole thing. <laughs> Brings over the pound cake and puts a little powdered sugar on top of it, bakes it up, and presents it as Chef Clark's Augusta National secret recipe pound cake and mr roberts is there and he's got his some guests with him and they've done a big venue thing with him and, and they're everybody's happy and mr robertson i told you boys we had the best of everything here we have got the best of everything so like whew, okay got away with that well as the meal is ending mr roberts calls chef clark over and, and says chef 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 uh just one thing real quick, I, you know, I want the recipe. And he, Chef Clark says, the recipe for what? And he says, for the, the pound cake. He's like, oh. <laughs> so for the rest of the season, and Chef, Chef uh, Mr. Roberts uh, built a cottage on the premise, which is behind number nine now. So Chef could make it into the club in time to make it breakfast at 445 in the morning. Yes, four four five in the morning. Present hey, unbelievable. And he's like, uh, okay. So he's ducking him throughout the entire season, and May comes rolling around, and Mister Roberts rolls in the kitchen and says, "All right, Chef, I don't know why you've been ducking me, but you have. Just give me the recipe so I can go back home to New York and get my private chef to make it for." Me and the missus, and I'll be back in good graces, you know, get back and get stuff. And Chef goes, Mr. Roberts, I'm sorry, that's uh, it's Sarah Lee. And he says, What? And he said, Mr. Roberts, I'm sorry, that pound cake is Sarah Lee. And Mr. Roberts again says, What? <laughs> and Chef Clark goes, Mr. Roberts, that pound cake is Sarah Lee. And Mr. Roberts says, I don't give a damn if it's a Robert E. Lee. I want that recipe. <laughs> Get Sarah on the phone. Because <laughs> Mr. Roberts never shopped in his life. Oh, that's and too long, funny. And as long as uh, Mr. Roberts was alive and Chef Parker was alive, the uh, secret recipe pound cake at Gus National was Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee. <laughs> oh man that is a that is a a great a great uh dessert there that is that's oh i'm making me more it's hungry really now. good it's really good. Yeah, really good pretty good all right well uh before we let you go just wanted to uh you know you're you're certainly an author a great author uh freddie and me has been around for uh, many years i know many of our listeners have read that um, if you haven't, go out and get Freddie and Me. Great story of you and uh, the friendship between you and Freddie Bennett and your love of the game and and uh, everything that revolves around Augusta National. And this time of the year is just such a, a special time to, to reread that if you've already gotten it or or uh, go get it out there on Amazon or your, your website, uh, tripbowden.com. Yeah. And uh, you've also, I mean, we talked about food there. You wrote the Caddy's Cookbook as well. We're looking forward to a great Masters this week, and 
trip and Holly Mack, we can't thank you guys enough for Thanks. sharing some Thanks. of your, uh, your insight and everything that is Augusta national and the masters, uh, really great stuff trip. And I really appreciate your time and, and everything you, that you do for the game. Thank you, Steve. What great and original stories trip Bowden brought to us today. Well, that does it for this episode of the Silver Club Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and download all of your favorite episodes back. This is number 51, remember, so we've got a lot that preceded this. Enjoy your Masters Week, everybody. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll look forward to bringing you another Silver Club Podcast real soon.